Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I want to read the chapter. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evil workers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not count, I'm sorry, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now even with tears tell you, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi is just 
a very good read, the entire epistle. And it can bring us to places of joy and encouragement, but also in the letter there are warnings, admonitions. We admire Paul's fortitude of faith to continue the Lord's work while he was opposed and imprisoned. Without dwelling on that environment of dark hostility surrounding his life with a very predictable end, Paul is rejoicing. And he's calling on Christians in Philippi to rejoice, and by extension and application, calling upon us to rejoice, whatever our earthly circumstance might be. But the Apostle Paul never got away from the supreme truth of active faith in Christ. His joy was grounded in that faith in Christ, but also there was this reality of evildoers, enemies of the cross, that never escaped his attention. And both themes come together and are presented here in chapter 3. In spite of of evildoers, enemies of the cross. Here's what Christians do. We press on. We embrace maturity and growth. We keep our eyes on the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, knowing that our citizenship is in heaven. That's a summary of Philippians chapter 3. Now, as those themes unfold in Philippians 3, there is a subtopic that emerges, especially in Paul's personal references to his own narrative in the opening verses, leading me to entitle our study tonight, The Inadequacy of Popularity. The Inadequacy of Popularity especially in these opening verses. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 gives what might be called a resume of popularity among his Jewish peers where he says about his confidence in the flesh circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal persecuting the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is a resume that would take a Jewish man in the time of unbelief before Christ to high places in public opinion. Now, in our modern society today, this doesn't sound like it's very impressive. We may read this and not really be familiar with these claims of Jewish notoriety among men in the Jewish religion. But these were badges of honor. You would take these things mentioned by Paul here, and you would mount these things on a certificate on your wall, so to speak. And, and that would draw attention and you would get invitations to speak at synagogues. 
And people would come to you with all their tough questions. People would seek you out for your wisdom. Mothers might say to their Jewish sons, I want you to be like Saul of Tarsus. Paul, in the context of his religious group and his peers, was popular. But what did he discover about that popularity and what did he do with it? Continue at verse 4. Well, not at verse 4. Continue at verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So let's just admit for Paul and perhaps for us in a previous time, and for a lot of people today, it feels good to be admired, to be looked up to, to be applauded by people that you want to impress, for your name to be out there, for people to come to you with their questions, for people to say, look, there's the man that everybody's talking about. Pride brings into us some pretty positive, temporary vibes. But Paul discovered that his popularity was really empty. Do you see where he makes this confession in verse 7? Whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. The applause of people can give you a mental and emotional high but that is worthless compared to the joy Christ brings into our lives and into the lives of his disciples. What fills you, what becomes your delight and your hope and your way of life isn't on a stage or under a spotlight. It's not about likes on Facebook, admirers who call your name, or seeing your name or your image everywhere. Once you understand who Christ is and what he did for you, and you respond to him, your previous delights in your previous popularity <coughs> are trashed. They no longer mean anything. You find your fullness, your fullness of life and purpose in Christ. So Paul says surpassing worth. Do you see that? Indeed, I count verse 8, everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Here's something that far surpassed the popularity that he enjoyed among the Jewish peers in their unbelief in Jesus Christ. He found something greater. And he says later in the passage, not having a righteousness of my own. Among his Jewish peers, they claimed personal righteousness based on merit. I've done this and done this. I was circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. They claimed righteousness based on their personal merit. But now... Paul, finding Christ, says, not 
having a righteousness of my own. Paul said, men and women tend to add up their score, push out their resume, compete with themselves. And sometimes we maybe get into that. I did four good deeds yesterday, but today I'm over par. Maybe I'm competing with others, but I'm doing better. I'm not as bad as that guy. Paul played that kind of competitive game among his peers, and he said he lost. He uses the words loss and rubbish. What he found in Christ was forgiveness and fullness in relationship with God, and it was surpassing what he enjoyed previously in that high mark of popularity among his Jewish peers. What popularity and celebrity didn't bring into his life, he found in Christ. Popularity is temporary, and it leaves you empty. Now let me go with one of those points I just made. Popularity is temporary. In Christ, Paul was able to know the power of his resurrection and attain to the resurrection from the dead. Whatever kind of popularity and applause from our peers we may find here on earth, you can't take it with you. Do not imagine being in heaven and telling people how great you were on earth. Those conversations may be imagined in some other place where you go into a certain venue and you explain to everybody how important you are, but that will not be the case. Those conversations will not occur in heaven. My point is popularity is temporary. It is short-lived. If you were popular in high school, that was a couple of years. I was popular in high school. I'm really not proud of that because of some of the things that you had to do to maintain your popularity. But at my 50-year reunion, they had to look at my name tag, see who I was. And when I got in the Army in basic training, we didn't have conversations about how popular we were in high school because that meant nothing. Popularity and fame is temporary. Fame is temporary. Money is temporary. Life on earth and whatever admiration you enjoy, that's all temporary. But Jesus and life in him has eternal promise. Solomon said when life meets reality in that intersection, in a couple of generations, your great achievements and your name are forgotten. Popularity is temporary. Paul knew that what he gave up was far surpassed by what he enjoyed when he came to Christ to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Popularity is fed by compromise. To be popular, you have to constantly monitor what is trending and get yourself in line with what's trending to maintain your image. The standard to please your fan base constantly changes. 
Here in Philippians 3 and verse 2, Paul said to look out for the dogs and evil workers. And then in verse 18, he refers to enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, if you want to be in line with that crowd, you've got to monitor what that crowd is doing. You've got to stay in line with how everything changes. How did those men achieve their popularity among the unbelievers that Paul had formerly been associated with? By continued compromise. By monitoring what's trending and adjusting yourself to that. In some circles back then, you were admired for your unbelief in Christ and your opposition to the truth. Your opposition to Christ advanced your popularity among men didn't, didn't do anything for your relationship with God. In fact, it took you away from God. If your desire was to be popular in those circles of influence, you had to pander to the unbelievers. Popularity always involves this strong element of compromise. <clears throat> for our young people... In public schools and universities and in various workplaces. To call attention to yourself requires deadly compromise. You'll have to go into the university circle of influence and you'll have to monitor what's going on. What are the styles? What brings you to the top of the scale of popularity? And you'll have to adjust to that and that's going to change. And when you do that, you move away from God. It's deadly compromise. Consuming what society is pumping into you and taking you away from God. Using language that you know isn't in keeping with your commitment to Christ. And maybe one of the most important compromises and temptations out in the world, if you want to be popular, is to be silent about anything you believe about Jesus Christ. The risk of the loss of your faith is very high when you seek popularity. If you want to be popular, you'll have to welcome frequent compromise. And that's deadly. One more thing about the inadequacy of popularity. Philippians 3 puts before us what really matters. So Paul came to a place where these other things no longer mattered. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee. All those things that mattered to Paul and fueled his popularity before Paul came to a place where he said, verse 7, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. And if you look at various phrases from here to the end of Philippians chapter 3, you'll see what really mattered to Paul once he was obedient to Jesus Christ. Gaining Christ. Attaining the resurrection from the dead. Christ Jesus owning him, pressing on toward the goal. When Paul first heard about Christ, when he was Saul of Tarsus, the prominent, popular Pharisee 
he wasn't just indifferent. He was hostile to Christ. There came a time, beginning on the road to Damascus, where he realized how wrong he was, and he gave up his popularity, and he became right with God through Jesus Christ. And from then on, he wanted to know more and learn more and respond more and attain to the resurrection from the dead. And here's the phrase where he captures that. Press on toward the goal. So popularity and fame and the applause of men no longer held any place in Paul's thinking, his ambition, his commitment. He gave all that up to be a forgiven sinner and a follower of Jesus Christ. And then he was able to say this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So this is what we need. To whatever extent in the past we've been driven by popularity, admiration, in social media, likes, attention, the praise and glory of men. This chapter, Philippians 3, documents the story of one man who arousing, arouses in us that deep appreciation for Christ. And this, when we internalize it, can take us to greater heights. It can prompt a stronger devotional life. It can motivate continued daily Bible reading accompanied by self-examination. It can give new life to our prayers. It can cause greater diligence in evangelism. And that can be the future of this church within the hearts of its members. Press on toward the goal. Let's be standing as we sing.